What is going on? It's the Sports Ethos Clippers podcast coming at you on a Thursday evening. Just saw the Clippers lose to the Miami Heat. And now it's back-to-back losses for the Clippers in Florida. Don't get a chance to do this very often where an instant breakdown occurs because the games are usually pretty late on the West Coast and yours truly is up pretty early. But we have got a friend who has got that time zone that's late but not too late right now. And My friend yeah. Shane Young, you see him on Twitter, at YoungMBA, does fantastic stuff for Forbes. He's back on the Ethos Clippers podcast. What's up, Shane? I'm doing great, Brandon. Uh, it's a little weird that we're already at December 8th. Mm-hmm. Um, a month and change has already went by, and the Clippers still look mediocre. So I'm doing fine. I don't know about the team, though. Okay, so you asked me before we started recording, do you want to focus more on tonight's game, last night's game, or the bigger picture? And I just thought of something, and I think it would be a good idea to start with this. The last time you were on, we did the worry meter um, <laughs> with Kawhi Leonard and where you were with Kawhi because he hadn't played. Oh. Remember, he had the first couple of games he played, then all of a sudden we hadn't seen him for a while. He did end up coming back, and then he hurt his ankle and then missed a couple more games. So I'm not going to talk about Kawhi and the worry meter, but overall with this team, where are you right now after you've seen them now blow two double-digit leads in a row, back-to-back nights? The first was an 18-point lead against Orlando, a team that had no business beating the Clippers, but I always say it's toughest to beat a team when you have the first game back with those stars because they're starting to gel together and they've been played together for a while. And then, of course, you had tonight's loss where the Clippers were up by double figures and then just fell apart when PG was on the bench, when Zoo was on the bench, and stupid turnovers late in the game, stupid shots, um, Reggie Jackson going into three guys on a layup attempt. So where are you right now in a worry meter for this team? Because obviously injuries have been an issue. doesn't feel like those are going away anytime soon. Right when you get a couple guys back, you lose another in Terrence Mann last night on a fluke play at the end of the game. So curious where you are um, on a worry meter 1 to 10 with this team, with 1 being not worried at all and 10 being extremely worried. Yeah, I'm glad you amended that from Kawhi to the team because mm-hmm. just health-wise, because I think that's what we talked about last time was was the worry meter on his health. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm not worried about his health because he um, – you know, he would have been back this whole time if he didn't roll his ankle on a on a, another freak accident play. Um, so him, I'm not worried about. But the team, as you asked, you know, you have to look at it through the lens of championship or I hate to say championship or bust, but th- that's the ultimate goal is to make is to make the finals and win the championship. From that perspective, if you were to ask me how it's gone, I would say my worry meter is at like a nine, like eight or nine. Like I don't, I don't think that this team, as we see right now, um, should be talked about as a finals contender. Like I, they just don't look the part right now. Um, now everything's fluid. That's going to change. It, it, you know, ask me that on January eighth, and I might have a different answer. But right now, it just when you when you think of the grand scheme of things and think of okay, what teams can we real, realistically expect? to be there in seven months when the finals or six months when the finals are starting. Um, I just would not mention the Clippers as a team uh, that's in the running right now. I, I don't think that they're that I don't think they're that good uh, at this point. Now minutes restrictions, man, that that's, that's been the big thing. Like it, it, 
if you were to lift all these minutes restrictions for like Kawhi and even like when John Wall has it going and if he's able to play back to backs at some point, you know, it just messes with the whole flow of everything. So I, I think I'm an eight, eight or nine for the team on a grand scale. Um, but then I'll ask you this. Then you look at the Western Conference and it's hard for me to really rule them out of anything because no one is uh, overachieving. No one is no one's looking great. I mean, if if you ask me the team that, that looks the best, it's the Pelicans, who have won five straight and seem to just mow over every team they, they play uh, when Zion's healthy. Uh, I, I feel like they look the best right now. Even the Suns that I really like watching, they don't look good at all um, on some night. So I, the West is not impressing me at all. It looks the most uh, underwhelming Western Conference of my time covering the NBA in the last eight or nine years. So... Yeah, it's that's a loaded question, Brandon. It's really hard to figure out where the Clippers stand in there, but it, I would say I'm at an eight or nine. I think you covered that really well, Shane, um, because I actually agree with pretty much everything you just said. And there were a couple times yesterday where I wanted to tweet, "We need to stop thinking of this team as a title contender because they're not acting like one and they're not playing like one." And I stopped myself from doing it because a, it was probably too negative. And B, it just seemed like nothing good could come out of tweeting it. And so I deleted it a couple times, actually. I was tweeting some variation of it. So I'm glad you brought that up because I, I actually agree. Um, I think that this team, and I've said this uh, earlier in the season, I've said this before, the Clippers act like a team at times that feel like they deserve to be put in that top two, top three of the Western Conference when yeah. they've done nothing to deserve it. They've gone to the Western Conference Finals once, but this team just can't stay healthy. And I'm tired of people just saying, yeah, the Clippers should be a title contender uh, because look who they have. But how? Yeah. But they, they're not staying healthy, and that continues to be an issue. And at some you point... Remember, go ahead. Oh, I'll just, I was going to say to your point, uh, do you remember how... Uh, you know, I think Zach Lowe was saying something about how the Nets are the greatest team on paper. Like they they should be the on paper Nets. Yeah. Um. That dude. If you want to actually in a Western Conference equivalent, it is the Clippers. Like the, even more so than the Nets, because even like Kevin Durant is is rarely hurt these days. He's playing back to backs. He's playing. Right. Um. Even we, he's got minor nicks and bruises. Like I mean. Uh, you can't say that about the Clippers guys. Like as much as I love them, much as I love Kawhi and PG as as, as players, um, at everything they stand for, you know, as people, it it, it it just they don't play through things, and it's not their fault. It's the organization be for being cautious, which you know you can get into. But but you're right. Like on paper, we I'm tired of hearing on paper the Clippers are the best team in the Western Conference. Yeah, and I agree. And I think that you started to go somewhere um, that you've tweeted about a couple times with the injuries and fans blaming the medical department. Listen, these guys are just coming back from injuries, and I think you covered it pretty well with the Western Conference. The Western Conference just hasn't been good enough. And yeah. with the Western Conference being as poor as it has been and with the Clippers still sitting in that play-in spot with just a couple of games behind being in the top four, you have the luxury to sit guys and you can lose games. Like it sucks and we don't like to see it as fans, but what you want to see is this team kick off their restrictions and take those away when it comes to January, February, March. So the Clippers can start to gel as we get to the postseason. Now the question is, will that happen? I mean, we don't know because injuries keep happening and you can even look to yesterday 
I mean, Shane, you look and you see Kawhi and PG back. You're like, oh man, that's awesome. But because you knew you were going to be resting Kawhi the next night and you knew it was a back-to-back, you had to sit John Wall and you had to sit Luke Kennard because you need those two bodies the next night. And so the Clippers couldn't even have their full complement of players. So they're not going to have their full complement of players on any back-to-back. So the only real way to evaluate this team is in games that don't have a back-to-back. And so now (laughs) we look at the game on Saturday, and I talked to Matt Matawar, my co-host, about this on our last pod, and I said, really, the game to evaluate this team is going to be Saturday against Washington because everybody will be allowed to play. Obviously, you'll be without Powell, and then, of course, man, man got hurt since I said that. If man comes back, you have a better idea because, frankly, Shane, Brandon Boston Jr. shouldn't be playing as part of your nine-man rotation. Yeah, It's just he's not ready. He's not ready. Um, I know there's a lot of calls to play these young guys. I know there's calls to play Diabate. Um, and, and I just don't think that this team can be evaluated until you have the true rotation you're going to go with in the playoffs. But the question is, will you ever get that? And, and that's the issue. Um, and it's frustrating with this team because, like you said, on paper, great team. I mean, they have all the pieces. They can play small ball. They've got a great center in Zoo. They've got two guys in PG and Kawhi that are fantastic. You've got guys in Norm Powell, Marcus Morris, Reggie Jackson that can get their own shot. But what you're doing is you're putting Reggie Jackson right now in a position where, A, he's not getting any rest. I mean, he needs to get rest at some point because he's an aging veteran. And B, he's putting up as many shots as a guy that's a 1A type guy should be taking. And he's not a good enough shooter for that to happen. And there are games where he's going to get hot, no doubt about that. But that's not what you want to see from a guy like Reggie Jackson. So right now their offense isn't operating the way it should be. And that's why you're seeing these types of losses. Because you're not having guys used to their roles. And you're having guys doing too much when they shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. You know, Brandon, I think think with this iteration of the Clippers, we have only seen two stretches of extended I wouldn't even call it extended just two stretches of play where everyone has been available and and we're talking about four years here talking about four regular seasons or you know three and a quarter whatever it is so far um it it was after the Morris trade uh, in 2020 so that you know stretch in late February early March of 2020 when everyone was healthy PG was looking good um Kawhi was as healthy as he's been as a Clipper. And then we saw, I mean, the, I guess you can count the bubble as well. Mm-hmm. That's another one. But then the one I was pointing to is a uh, opening year of Ty's first year when they had surge starting. So, you know, Kawhi and PG looked awesome. I think they started 15 and six or 15 and seven that year. Um, number one in the West. And then injuries started piling up. We've only seen, about two and a half stretches of everyone being there. And those stretches have only lasted for 15 or so games. It's kind of, it's kind of remarkable. It sucks. It it really sucks. And it it sucks even more when you see a guy like SGA going off for OKC and, and seeing what could have been. Um, But so let's talk about the game from yesterday first, uh, before we get to the game tonight, because I think it's better to evaluate this Clippers team. That's what we're talking about when they have their two stars in Kawhi and PG, and it hasn't happened very often. The numbers when those two are on the floor are very good. They go up by 18 in the first. They trail, I think it was the first or the second quarter. Then they uh, were up by 17 in the third quarter, I believe it was, and still lost to Orlando. Now, 
here's my question for you. How does that happen when you have a team with PG and Kawhi? Because and you look at the Magic. They were 4 of 18 in the first quarter, and they had seven turnovers. They were down 32 to 14. Yeah. Like, when you're a good team and you expect to win an NBA title, you put the foot on the gas and you blow teams out. Look what Boston did last night to Phoenix. Phoenix is a very good team, but Boston didn't let up, and they put their foot on the gas, and they blew out the Suns. But for the Clippers, they, they just didn't do it. And PG, what the hell happened there? This It happened again today, where he had a good first quarter and then just disappeared. He was great in the third quarter today, and that was very necessary for the Clippers. But... You look at what he did yesterday, and this is why, and you're a big PG guy, but this is why I'm starting to take a step back and considering him as one of those 1A type guys, because those guys don't just disappear in long stretches like he has done yeah. time and time again this season. It's concerning, Shane, and it's really, uh, go ahead. It's really strange that he had, that he only took 12 shots and he was inefficient so you you want to take more. I mean, his favorite player uh, of all time is Kobe Bryant. There's no reason why he shouldn't be taking more shots. Yeah. Um. He he has talked about that before. Like you know, he, if if it doesn't go in, like he, he believes the next one's going to go in. Can't get discouraged. But the reason I said it's really weird. He was plus 21 in the game. Mm-hmm. They outscored the Orlando Magic by 21 points with him on the floor, and he was bad. And somehow decided I'm not going to shoot that much. I don't. It, it's really strange. I don't even know what to say about him individually. Um, some of the possessions, like I, I think with PG, if he, uh, like I, I feel like with, whenever someone else has it going, or he, you know, Reggie was struggling as well to, from shooting uh, from a shooting perspective. I think he defers to some of his guys to kind of get them out of a out of a funk. Um, you know, Kawhi didn't, he only shot 415 that game too. Like with him, you would like to see him go into takeover mode, but I think he's trying to be the facilitator. He's trying to, um, get deep in the paint and find guys. And at some point, you know, Ty just has to tell him, look, head down to the rim, get to the foul line. Um, I thought he, I thought tonight was different than the Orlando game, but you know, sticking on that magic game, it it is, it's puzzling that he, kind of gets in his own head when it comes to that. And you hate to say that for a guy that's, uh, you know, been a star, a superstar for so long in this league. You know, I think it's been over 10 years or, you know, 10 or 11 years so far that he's been doing this. Um, I, I don't even know, man. Like he, 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 he doesn't, he doesn't walk the line. He tries to walk the line between playmaker and score. And sometimes he needs to pick a side. <laughs> yeah. And he was a plus 21, like you said yesterday, and he was plus eight today. So the Clippers have been better, obviously with him on the floor and no surprise when you have your stars, you are a better team. And you look at yesterday, and Amir Coffey was a minus 25 in that game. I mean, you look at PG and Amir Coffey, a 46-point difference between those two guys. And that's it goes back to what I was just saying, that you can't evaluate this team when you have Brandon Boston Jr. and Amir Coffey as your ninth man in two straight games. You just can't do it. I mean, as much as we enjoy watching guys like Amir Coffey and Brandon Boston, they're just not part of a team that wants to win a title. When you look at the playoffs and what the Clippers are going to roll out there in their eight or nine-man rotation, those two guys ain't in it. 
And when you end up having to play guys 30 minutes or so, when they're on minutes restriction, like yesterday PG played 32, I believe, and then today he played 32 minutes, then you have guys playing less minutes in the regular season than they would in the regular season. I mean, we we see PG play 38 minutes usually Mm -hmm. in the regular season, and those six minutes are big. And it's no surprise that yesterday the Clippers got crushed in the second quarter, and today the Clippers got crushed in the second quarter because that's when PG gets his rest, and that's when the bench comes in. I think a a lot of the issues, I'm not going to say like everything boils down to this, but a lot of the issues come from just the, like we're talking about PG individually from the supporting cast that's been in and out because for, you know, for example, Luke Kennard didn't play the Orlando game. Right. And he's been out for a while or he was out for a while, a good stretch of games. And it's hard for stars. I could imagine it's hard for stars to, Kind to not have that floor spacer to take away the attention, you know, because if it's I don't know, let's say it's John Wall out there in those minutes. He didn't play the other night either. But um, say it's say it's a non shooter, a guy that's not a threat per se. Uh, it's hard to run, pick and roll and kind of decide to get downhill if you constantly have uh, guys sagging into the paint. I think when Luke Kennard is out there, everything changes for them. The offense looks better, looks crisp. Um there's movement that can occupy defenders on the weak side for PG and Kawhi and whoever has the ball to kind of get into the paint and make those reads, make those decisions. So I just, I, I think if they have the the supporting cast and that, I think the two biggest guys when it comes to that is Norm Powell and Luke Kennard, yep. the two best shooters spot up guys on the team um, by, by a significant margin, I should add. I mean, it, it if they're out there, that's when I would like to evaluate this team. But here's the thing, Brandon. Let's say Norm comes back and Luke is back. Everything's great for about uh, five days. You never know what else is going to happen. And just for the love of God, like, I would like to see Norm, Luke, PG, Kawhi, and a point guard and Zoo. Like that's what seven guys I just named, mm-hmm. you know, six or seven guys, all those guys together um, in a rotation. And then maybe we can see how their offense clicks. Um, but until then, I mean, their offense, it, it has many stretches where it looks like it is creative and sophisticated and Ty is actually trying to implement things. But then I was thinking to myself while watching this heat game tonight, uh, it got really sloggy in the first and second quarter. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, how, like, like, if you're a coach, how are you supposed to put in sets in practice or in a game if, Guys can't even practice with you. That that you need them to be on the floor to run these sets properly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, so I I would be so frustrated. You know, as fans, you're frustrated. As media, you're frustrated that you can't see it. But my God, I couldn't imagine being Ty Lue. It's not easy. And he even said that he had something in front of him that was telling him about minutes restrictions. And it's the first time he's had to do that. And I talked about it in the last podcast, and you mentioned practice. And, and we're gonna see. There's a stretch, December 17th, the Clippers play at home against Washington, and then they have three days off until they play again on Wednesday the 21st at at home against Charlotte. That's a huge period where the the Clippers have a chance to get healthy, and perhaps after that, that's when we start seeing this team and what they could possibly be, but we don't know if that's going to happen because we don't know who's going to be healthy, and we don't know when they're going to be healthy, but you bring up a good point, and you, you just mentioned those six, seven guys, you add Batum and you add Marcus Morris. Yeah, and, Batum and, too, yeah. And that's your eight or nine. And 
So then you wonder, okay, then what happens with Terrence Mann? What happens with Robert Covington? I mean, what happens with the second point guard, whether it be Reggie Jackson or John Wall? The Clippers just have so much there. And the easy thing to say is, all right, the Clippers should make a trade because they have too many guys. But then you look and you say this team can't stay healthy. But uh, frankly, if this team wants to win a title, they have to be healthy. So Mm -hmm. I I wouldn't be against making a trade because if they don't make the trade, then you're going to have all these guys. And if someone's not healthy, it doesn't matter anyways. It's just... It's a difficult situation to be in for Ty Lue because you can't coach a team, like you said, that has all these moving pieces where you don't have Luke Kennard and John Wall one night, and then the next night you don't have Kawhi. You don't have yeah. Norm Powell for either of them. You didn't have Marcus Morris yesterday because he had a non-COVID illness. I mean, the Clippers just don't have these don't have enough games here where guys are healthy together. It's impossible to judge this team. And then we go back to what we were originally talking about with PG and I don't think he realizes how he should play from game to game mm-hmm. when he's got all these different guys around him and how he should play. It, it's difficult to figure out. Yeah, and I don't think um, – well, I kind of lost my train of thought there. Uh, but uh, just talking about the rotation, yeah, yeah. you hit you hit on it. If you have those seven or eight guys there, then you start to see PG get into a rhythm because, oh, I know I have multiple options for a ball screen. It doesn't have to be zoo every time. You know, I can have Batum comes up the screen. I could have, you know, we haven't really seen, because uh, we haven't seen many games of these two, but like PG and Kawhi screening for each other. I mean, that hasn't even been a staple so far because you can't get them on the court. Like, um, so I don't know. I, I think uh, from a fan's perspective as well, that Orlando game had to be infuriating because you are, in Orlando, a team that's not good at all, a team that is not really – I mean, they're trying to be good. They're trying to be fun, but they're so young that it's impossible to be good and um, to be competent in the NBA. Uh, and you have a chance to win. You're, you're tied. You're, you're in overtime, and your guys are on the bench because of minutes restrictions. <laughs> like, like, So there's nothing you can do. Your hands are tied. So that had to be uh, agonizing. Um, I thought tonight – you know, it's actually funny with this Clippers team. I'm curious if you agree. Some nights, like against Sacramento, uh, what was it the other day? Was it was yeah. that afternoon game? Yeah, that's when they got crushed. Yeah. Um, like, everything was the problem. Offense, yeah. defense, everything was a problem. Yeah. Some games, their defense is an issue. I think, you know, in the third quarter against Orlando, they had a 130 defensive rating. Like, it was it was god-awful. Mm. They were just allowing line drive after line drive, open shot after open shot. Tonight, I thought also their defense was a problem against Bam and Tyler Hero's pick and roll, allowing them to get too deep into the paint, and then you can't react fast enough before Bam is putting it on you. Um, so, and then you know, it, it seems like whenever a couple of those defensive issues get fixed, guess what? Their offense looks like it's just in a slog. Yeah. So it's just so inconsistent with this team so far, and I really don't know what to look forward to um, against Washington. And, you know, what's funny is that we started this by trying to talk about the Orlando game, but it really feels like this team, and you just hit it the nail on the head, there's so many different issues that you want to jump from one to the other to talk about what the problem is. And we talked about PG, and he's got to be more aggressive. And we talked about this. He had three free throw attempts in the game against Orlando. And he had four free throw attempts today. That's not good enough for a guy that needs to be aggressive. And especially when yesterday his shot wasn't falling, he was three of 12 from the field. Like, go get yourself to the free throw line. Go get more points. 11 points is pathetic in over 30 minutes. Like, that's just not good enough. And for Kawhi, he hasn't been good enough. I mean, sure, he's been out 
and I've said that these games are very much like his preseason, but he's putting up numbers that are not good mm-hmm. enough, like 14 points in 30 minutes, 4-15 from the field. Like, that's not good enough, and that's why you're losing games to teams that you shouldn't be losing. And yesterday was, I mean, I expected to win the game yesterday despite getting uh, the first game back with two stars. When you're up by 18, you expect to win that game. That was a terrible loss last night. But then today, I expected to lose this game. And I I told you I thought they were going to lose this game. But then they go in there up by 10 in the first quarter or in the second quarter, and they can't hold on to it. And you look, and you see that the Clippers once again fall apart when PG goes to the bench. And then, like you said, the late game execution was terrible, both offensively and defensively. The Clippers just let Jimmy Butler get whatever he wanted. They let Hero get shots off. And give credit to Jimmy because he was hitting some ridiculous shots, but it just wasn't good enough defense. And the Clippers just had bad offense and stupid turnovers and stupid shots. And that's why the Heat are are just who they are. Despite the record, they're a very good team. Yeah, it and it just wasn't good enough. Really. I was just going to say, man, like it, it, this is the same core, I guess you could say, like, you know, Reggie, PG, Kawhi, um, well, not not Kawhi because he didn't play, but Marcus and Nico, like, and even Zoo. It's the same core that Ty coached to the best offense we've seen uh, in, gener- in, you know, in decades mm-hmm. before Boston um, decided to take that over this year. But, like, the the Clippers shooting and, off- and offensive execution in 2021 was – Second to none. It was the reason they were able to demolish Utah. And it just seems like ever since then, uh, no matter who's on the floor, it just looks bad. And I just don't I don't know. I, I, someone needs to do a case study on that because it's the same people, you know, just different groups and combinations of those, of those players. But like nothing major has changed from this core and they just cannot if it's not an open three, it just seems like they can't do anything out there. You know, what's funny is that you look at the numbers from today and the Clippers shot 47% from three. They were 17 of 36. They shoot 46% from the field. They were 19 of 21 from the line. If you would have given me those three numbers, I would have said they're going to win the game. But then you look and you saw they had 16 turnovers. They had three different guys that had four turnovers and Miami only had eight turnovers. And when you turn over the basketball, you're not getting a shot up on that possession. And so you look and Miami had 10 more shot attempts. And if Miami has 10 more shot attempts, guess what? They're going to win the game. And you lose by five when if you would get one point per shot attempt, you're going to win the game. And the Clippers just turn over the basketball too much. And, I mean, we could point to PG not being aggressive enough. Reggie Jackson taking some stupid shots. Poor turnovers by these guys. Luke Kennard being not involved enough offensively. Mm-hmm. But then you look at turnovers, and that was a factor too today. And then you look at yesterday, and you look at the plus minus, and PG was a plus 21, but he wasn't good enough offensively. And then the bench was just terrible. And here's the thing. When this team is healthy, the bench is they're the best in the NBA. I mean, when you have yeah. Norm Powell coming off the bench along with a point guard, Batum, I mean, who knows who else you're going to have. Thought that Port- I thought that Portland game was a real – I thought it was going to be the turning point because Norm Powell looked unstoppable. Yeah. As you're saying, the bench was amazing. Uh, it, and Kawhi wasn't back yet, I don't believe. So it's like everything was everything was looking to to change from there. And, and they what they've done, they've lost, what, four out of five since. And, and that bench, by the way, the two best players were Covington – and Powell, and then you add in Batum, who was came off the bench in that game, and then you add a guard 
whether it be Reggie Jackson or John Wall, and you've got yourself a really good bench unit. And of course, you have Terrence Mann that you can mix in that group as well, because then you have Kawhi and PG starting. And so it's a really good bench when healthy. The issue is they're not healthy. And I think that's mm-hmm. the number one problem. And it goes back to the start of the podcast where you, if, 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 if this team gets healthy, then they can be a title contender. But right now, yeah. they've shown us over the last several years that they can't stay healthy. And so you know, as long as that's happening, you can't consider them a title contender. I'll say this, and, I, and I'm not a – I'm normally against this belief because I just think it's insane to think like this in professional sports whenever you quote-unquote waste a regular season uh, of development and, and, and getting reps. But I do think, Brandon, if there is, if there is a team uh, construction-wise and a star like Kawhi and a star like PG and a coach like Ty who's you know, one of the three or four best coaches in the world – if there's a team that can get into an eight spot and be a contender <laughs> from the eight spot, I, I think it's I think it is them. Um, I, you know, you have to you have to what it comes down to is you have to beat Kawhi PG and good shooters four out of seven times. And if they were to get the eight seed, I, I'm just throwing out random seedings, but if they were the eight seed and New Orleans was was number one you know 55 win pelicans or something like that mm-hmm. like uh, it's not it's not inconceivable to think that the clippers would should be favorites like if, if they have Kawhi and paul and, and everything looks uh great at that moment i i think they can make a run regardless of where they're seated but it comes down to having those guys there um so yeah i think if there was a year that the western conference could afford to look like this and the clippers could afford to uh, kind of skate through it and be 500 after a quarter of the season, which, by the way, j- just like uh, pure like going NBA history. If you're a quarter of the way through and you're a 500 team, what does that what does that tell you historically? It tells you that Clippers and Warriors are not going to be title contenders, yeah. and and that sounds insane to think about, mm-hmm. considering they were my Western Conference Finals for God's sake. Yeah, <laughs> like Clippers and Warriors were my Western Conference Finals, and they are nine and ten respectively. So here's the thing is you just mentioned the eight seed and now it goes all the way down to the 10 because of the play in tournament and yeah. the Clippers right now are one game back of the five spot and that's Sacramento. And then the sixth spot is Utah. They're both at two and a half games back of first. The Clippers are three and a half games of back of first. I'm going to repeat that again. The Clippers are three and a half games back of first place in the Western conference <laughs> with how terrible they've been with the lack of avail- availability from Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Like there's still a ton of season left. And so yeah. as much as we want to panic about how poor this team has played, and how nobody has stayed healthy, despite all that, they're still only three and a half games back. All you have to do yeah, is go on a run where you win like eight of ten, and all of a sudden you find yourself close to the top four. Oh yeah, if this was last year where Phoenix and Memphis, I think Phoenix had 64 wins and Memphis had maybe 56, 57. Yeah. I think if this was last year, yeah, I would be like, yeah, you're not going to get the top two. Just just cross that off the list, but you never know. You just want top and, four. And I, this, huh? I think you'll take top four if you're the Clippers. Oh yeah. Yeah, and I and and I think I do think that more than any other year, this is when head-to-head matchups mean everything. Yeah, have they have they already beaten New? Have they already lost New Orleans? Yeah, I think so. I, I think the I think that yeah, uh, they they lost to the Pelicans already. Yeah, like, they lost. I think you. Ha- yeah, I think you have to go with the mindset of like, and they've already lost to Phoenix, and I don't know about about Memphis. I feel like they haven't played Memphis yeah, yet. Their wins but, have come against Charlotte. 
Portland, Indiana, Utah, San Antonio, Detroit, Houston, Cleveland, okay. the Lakers, San Antonio, yeah. two more against Houston, Sacramento, and the Lakers. Their wins have come against yeah. bad teams. You you have opportunities to win tiebreakers. And and as you said, three and a half back from first. Yeah. If you beat New Orleans, that's two and a half. <laughs> you know, it, I think head-to-head means so much more this year than any other year. And um, I got to tell you, man, the Clippers are 10 and 10 against West teams. Uh, they're just average across the board. Seven and six at home, seven and seven on the road, three and three in their division. It, it, it's the epitome of average right now. And hey, Clippers fans don't want to hear that, but um, you know, it, it, there's still opportunities for them to put together wins. I think that stretch you mentioned um, later, where they get um, they go back home, uh, you know, and have some time to rest. It, I'll, if they are significantly worse than this, or if they are um, a few games below 500, like at the end of December, yeah, I think you can kind of consider this a lost year already at that point. Like, I think they need to get uh, a few games above 500 before the end of December. And this was supposed to be the part where they were going to pick up some wins against teams like yeah. Charlotte, Orlando, Washington. And they split the uh, Charlotte Orlando, and so now you play Washington on Saturday. Saturday, which it's not a must win, but it's pretty close to a must win. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a that's a game you need to win because then you're probably going to get your asses kicked by Boston on Monday, um, and then you've got Minnesota, Washington, Charlotte, and three of the next four after that. Yeah. So you've got you've got some and then to be on games. to be on the road at the end of the year too yeah. for five straight or six straight. That's yeah. you know. I, and I think what we're what we're kind of circling around here when it, when we talk about both conferences, particularly the Western conferences, although no one is is amazing, no one is Warriors uh, 2016 level or even last year's Suns regular season level. Mm-hmm. While no one's doing that, everyone's good except for San Antonio, right? Like like everyone is 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 competent uh, to put out there uh, to put out a good product on the floor and be fun and be competitive. Um, you don't like. Like December twenty sixth, the day after Christmas in Detroit. Which, yeah. by the way, who wants to spend that? Who wants to spend Christmas there? Yeah, <laughs> that that's bad. But like going to Detroit, that's not just a gimme win. The Pistons have games where they play pretty well. Killian Hayes has been on a tear. You know, it's like you can't just circle and say we're going to win this game, this game, this game. Not not in twenty twenty three. You can't. And then you're going to have Kawhi sitting the next night in Toronto. I yeah. Mean, so. You, <sighs> It's it, when you have these back-to-backs, you need to win the first game. If you're going to be resting guys in the second night of a back-to-back, yeah. you have to win the first game, and that's why the loss was so freaking bad yesterday against Orlando because you're playing a bad Orlando team. You're not going to have Kawhi the next night, and the Clippers blew it, and then they give themselves a chance today when, frankly, I don't think they should have even had a chance going into it, yeah. and they blew it again. And so it's really tough, and that's why the game against Washington so big because they finally have some time off. Last thing before I let you go. Um, there's been some talk on Twitter today about um, during the game and afterwards about the Clippers switching. And you mentioned it earlier um, in terms of how the Clippers were just allowing Butler to get everything he wanted. And that mm-hmm. they were, I mean, you looked at Miami and they were going after Kennard and they were going after Reggie Jackson. Correct me if I'm wrong. It feels like the Clippers have been switching ever since the dock days and they haven't stopped since the dock days. That's why you end up with zoo on Luca. It really feels like that happens all the time, despite the fact the Clippers have 
all these guys that are switchable, it feels like there are times where Kawhi or PG or whoever needs to stay on their guy and they don't. Why is that? And am I wrong in saying that it really has been something that's been ever since the Doc days and hasn't stopped since? Yeah, I, I think uh, it's you know Ty is a um, uh, learner of Doc or from Doc. Like he, I feel like eighty percent of everything that he has. And maybe this isn't giving Ty enough credit, but like eighty percent of his stuff is from Doc and the philosophy they put they come up with together. Um, so I remember one time in twenty, you know, that twenty twenty one season when the when their offense and was really good, their defense was you know kind of kind of average that year until they brought it up towards the end. I asked Ty, like. Uh, about switching like are you just you want to switch everything one through four and even some one through five he's like yeah like like that's our principles like that's our that's our base like we want to contain penetration as much as possible therefore we're going to switch and that's how you kind of keep the ball out of the out of the lane and out keep yourself out of rotation but i I think you're seeing the issue is if you have um weaker defenders or guys that are either small or not as fast even though you're switching you're still susceptible to giving up the drive or giving up an easy bucket because either the height difference or the speed difference. In Luca's case, you know, or, or someone else getting switched on to Zoo or maybe uh, even Morris who looks, you know, for as good as Morris looks, he's still slower than a lot of guys that he's switching on to. Pr- pretty much all the guys he's switching on to, he's smaller than. Um, if he if he allows a, a, a line drive or if he gets blown by, guess what? Rotation and help is going to come. So even though you switched that action, it didn't help you any. In fact, it just hurts you even more because you're rotating when you didn't even expect to rotate. So I think they switch a little bit too much, but it comes down to either you're going to switch or you're going to uh, be a drop uh, or you're going to hard hedge. And I think that they don't have enough guards that you know can really hard hedge effectively. Reggie has shown that he can do that sometimes and get back to his man really quickly. Luke Kennard can do it a little bit, but Luke Luke's not fast. You know, Luke Luke is slower. Um, I, I just I I don't know what they can do, and the only way to kind of prevent that is to have Kawhi and Paul there to kind of blow that action up. And Kawhi, I think the next evolution for Kawhi when he's back, you know, I I, don't, I, I can't even say the word full time. I was about to say back full time, but that's never going to be a thing now. Yeah. Uh, when he's back to playing regularly. Um, I think his next evolution is to not necessarily be the the isolation shutdown guy that he his reputation is now, but kind of evolve into the Draymond or LeBron um, from like, you know, 2016, 2017 LeBron when he was this age. He was Kawhi's age back then, um, it, like a free safety, like roaming, mm-hmm. blowing up plays, rotating down to to stop penetration whenever he sees it um kind of just be a, a a game changer in that in that role but you can't get that evolution dude until you get back to playing 10 games at a time to kind of get the reps and, and get better at that it takes years of practice he's mo- he's mostly him and pg both they've mostly been isolation perimeter guys that you're not getting past and they're going to strip you if you over dribble I think both of them could afford to be better team defenders, if that makes sense. And you can't be a team defender until you have a team that's in place that is consistent because you don't know. And we talked about this on the podcast a couple days ago. You can't play good defense and know where everyone's going to be if you don't get those reps together. And 
That's why the more and more a team plays together, the more and more they just know where a guy's going to be on certain possessions. And that's why the Warriors have been so good over the years defensively is that they know where certain guys are going to be. And the Clippers, you, you tweeted, are top five coming into today defensively with defensive rating. Their offense has just been terrible. But the, the thing is, their defense yeah. can be even better when they have guys like Kawhi and PG healthy and that they get guys around them that are consistent and not continually sitting out. And I think that's the big problem. And we're going to keep talking about it this whole year until it happens where the Clippers get guys healthy. And until that does happen, we don't not going to know how to evaluate this team. And that's just kind of where we're at. Actually, maybe I don't even know if this is the time to even ask this or, or mention it, but I'm, I've been thinking about it. So I'll, I'll throw it to you anyway. Hmm. Um, you know how like, so Ty in Cleveland, which was his first, you know, coaching head coaching gig after being an assistant there, he had complete reliability. LeBron played all the games that he could. Kyrie was always there. This is before he turned into a basket case, right? Um, Kevin Love, always healthy. That's what he's used to. He comes to the Clippers, and, you know, it's not anyone's fault. You can say that number one. It's not Kawhi's fault, not PG's fault, no one's fault. But it's been the complete antithesis of that. At, at a certain point, do you think that he – I don't even know how to how to ask this, but do you think he even wants to be a part of this long-term if it's going to be like this? Interesting. Um, I did not expect this to go the way it did. Um, and, and I and I don't want to and I don't want it to sound like like oh he's just going to quit and, you know something like that. But like, do you do you think deep down he's like man like I would like a normal basketball team? Oh, of course. He of course. I mean, he he doesn't want to coach a team where he's consistently having to manage minutes and having his guys consistently out. There's no doubt about that. But the thing is, is that. You don't know when you're coaching any team when guys are going to be hurt and when they're going to have yeah. restrictions. I mean, you look at the Lakers now, and LeBron is missing games, and AD's back, and he's been amazing, but who knows when he gets hurt next. So you can say, yeah, maybe he doesn't want to deal with this, but you go to another team, there's no guarantees that it won't be the same there unless you're, you've are you got a young, yeah. rebuilding team because that that's just the way the NBA is now. Well, the NBA is very different from what it was when he was coaching Cleveland where guys are consistently resting on back-to-backs and they're being load managed. That's just the way things are now because of the long season and the amount of minutes that guys are asked to play um, in the playoffs and how difficult the postseason has been on players and how many hard minutes they're playing. So I I don't think there's anything Ty Lue can do about it. And I think he wants to be in a situation where he's got star players and a chance to win a title. Mm -hmm. And that's what he has. And that's what, that's what I was going to go to is that like, you don't like, you take the star talent every yeah, time because exactly. of what happened in 2021. Yeah, like, exactly. yeah. like you, you give yourself an opportunity in May and June to be there, and they they would have won the title. I'm convinced. Yeah, I agree with you. I think there's no doubt about it. The Clippers would have been to the NBA Finals, and they would have won it if they would have stayed healthy. And Kawhi would have never gotten hurt. And it's just, yeah. I mean, you, I just see the frustration. Yeah. In him in post game and and like during the you know during the games like. And I, and I understand like it has to suck, man. Like you, you can't even show your full hand because you can't run plays that are designed for Kawhi Leonard when Kawhi is in street clothes. It's just it's hard to it's hard to show that you are a competent team and a competent coach, which everyone knows he is. But it's hard to really be good whenever you don't have your players, man. So yeah. I, I get it. Yeah, exactly. And we'll see what happens over the next couple of 
months if the Clippers get healthy and what their team looks like. I mean, we, we could be talking completely different in two months if Kawhi and PG yeah. are healthy, everyone's back, and the team is rolling, and all of a sudden they're a top-four team in the NBA. We just don't know mm-hmm. what the team's going to look like from week to week or even from game to game. And who knows? It's just part of the ride that we are currently on Shane Young. At Young NBA on Twitter, Forbes is where you can read them. Anything you're working on, Shane, for people to look out for? I'm currently uh well I want to dig into the Pelicans a little bit because mm-hmm. they <laughs> they've been good. They look they look awesome on defense and it's not something you expect. So yeah, I, I did something on Wiggins the other day. He's shooting the leather off the ball. Uh he's hurt now, but hopefully he's back soon. But yeah, I just kind of floating around the Western Conference is what I'm doing. Perfect, perfect. Well, listen, it's a Western Conference that's Pretty even. So go ahead, read Shane. Does fantastic stuff there at Young NBA on Twitter. I'm at BD Marcus. Ethos Clippers podcast. Go ahead, rate and review the podcast if you can. It certainly helps. Love when people are listening. If you interact on Twitter, I appreciate that as well. Until next time, big thank you to our friend Shane Young for joining and go Clips.